2: Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. Jerome once again with Chizo. The Team Picker has opened for season 2023, so we're unwrapping some Christmas gifts a little bit early, seeing some players with their prices and what our current structures may be shaping up like. With me to talk things about the Team Picker, I've got Pistol, mate. Are you enjoying the off-season? I've had a great off-season.
3: It's been a, a, a bit quiet, but it needed a bit of a refresh a bit of an an analyzing what happened last year where it went right not many places where it went wrong a lot more places and just trying to come back bigger and better
2: for 2023. Well speaking of refresh 2023 is seeing the Dr. Supercoach Patreon getting a revamp. We're going to get a a, a, a brand new DRSC store opening soon. That's uh, You can go get your DRSC merch and stuff there as well. So lots of things happening in the off-season. I'm glad you had a, a quiet time, Pistol, because i have been working around the clock. No, it's much appreciated, cheese. Oh, uh, thank you for your service. <laughs> Mate, the, the first thing I want to talk about, and this is, you, you know, like I always focus on the big issues, and this is just absolutely key for me, who was the person that decided that we needed really faint colors for our captain vice captain and emergency selections on the team picker because I have like not noticed I've literally got like glasses now that zoom in 50% and like it is almost indistinguishable between the general color of the the player <laughs> and who you've got as a captain like I only know captain, that that's my captain cuz it's like it's, vaguely yellow That
3: is very very like I cannot really tell you're right that is uh Look, Cheeso, the game resets before it goes through the official launch. So the captain, vice captain doesn't matter, but that is pretty funny It does up on that.
2: Key issues, Pistol. We've talked about this. I always hit home runs straight from the top. (laughs) That is faint. You're right. I can't argue with you there. Uh, And speaking of faint, mate, when I saw (laughs) Cunnington's price, I was thinking he was going to be first selected, and I nearly fainted when I saw that they just decided to give him a 30% discount off his 2021 price rather than the actual price he was predicted to be given.
3: Yeah, look, I'm a fan of not making it so that he's an auto pick. And like, if you're going to price Cunnington at 200K, like I get it, everyone would pick him and it's bad for the game. So that's a fine decision in my books. Making him 30% off a pure midfield role where he had like his best year ever and now he's like coming back after illness and, and you know, I guess new coach role would be up in the air. Make him 420k. I think it's like more of a question if he's like 360k, but like it's a little bit too expensive. Probably we'll have to see the role in the preseason, but I certainly wasn't happy. Let's put it that way.
2: Yeah. Okay. We'll we'll jump into uh, one of the things that I think is different about 2023 is that. I think that a lot of structures are viable this year as opposed to 2022, where I thought we were sort of pigeonholed into going uh, a particular template um, based on whether you're going safe or a little bit more aggressive. It turned out that 2022, uh, you went super aggressive and picked all the mid prices. They all paid off at once, which we've never seen in history. Um, But I think the structures that are available this year we have a few mid-prices across multiple lines rather than stacking them up in, the uh, in say, the, de- <laughs> the, the forward line or the defense line. Yeah. Um, so I'm really liking the flexibility that we're going to have and I think it's going to mean that we get a little bit less of a template to start 2023. What are your thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, I think this is going to be a great year. I mean, it all depends on the rookies as we know um, closer to the time and it, it does thin out as we get closer to the season. But when I was just you know, picking players I liked, not really trying to pick a balanced team and just choosing players I thought might be good picks. Um, I, I looked back on my team at the very end and I'm like, oh, I've chosen only one premium defender. And I'm like, that's that's a cool sort of difference in the last couple of years. Like that's not been viable. I mean, it still might not be viable, but I, it was something where I'm like, haven't had this opportunity in at least three, four years where, I could potentially only pick one premium defender, and you know, I went, I went. I've made a midfield-heavy team. I've made a midfield-shallow team, and I can't say which team's better, but they all look fine to me. And that's a really great thing that there's so many different combinations of players that seem
2: viable this year. Mm. And like, if we recall back to say 2021, where a lot of us had Clark at D6 to start the year, and and things like that. So um, the fact that there is that that difference in structure that we're going to see a lot of the. Um, kind of planning that it has probably gone into the last two or three years is going to be slightly different for a lot of coaches um, it, just out of curiosity who is that D1 that you did pick?
3: <laughs> uh, it was Tom Stewart it's yep. a combination of you know he's getting injured so that price um, is a little bit kinder and, and also that buy that Geelong have it's only in uh, round 13 where it's only got two teams uh, playing in it so it's like a I guess a easier buy so picking him felt like a little bit of a free hit at the moment yeah. so look things always change between now and the start of the season but that was just my gut instinct when i was i was making my first set of my team i was like yeah you'll put him in and then i just went through all of the mid prices and cheaper players i thought were possibly going to play and i'm like oh, i've finished my backline already and i've only chosen one premium uh, so that was yeah very interesting
2: and uh, filling out the rest of your your defense line, are you picking players that you know or are you going like six deep with rookies with names <laughs> that we've never heard of?
3: No, I mean, I'm happy. I'll, I'll just touch on a couple of ones that stood out to me. Um, I haven't picked all of these guys, but at least once where I was scrolling, I was, I was interested in looking at Salem. It's only 390K. I thought for somebody that typically goes 90 plus, it's a bit of value down there. Um, I scrolled straight past Hunter Clark at 315k. Yeah, um, yep. I mean, there's we'll see on these roles, right? Like if he plays pure inside mid, then we'll talk about it later. But for now, just kept scrolling past it. Um, uh, Jack Bowes was 277k, and it depends what role he gets at Geelong. If he's in the best 22, um, he could be some sort of, you know, very sharp pick and and i just kept scrolling further i went i got all the way down to liam jones 228k um yep. which for somebody that should play every game you know that's probably 100k waiting just by picking him it's not not the best but it's it's far from the worst and even lower than that uh, nick caulfield was 208k and we'll see how he returns from his i think it was acl injury but yeah i'm not yeah. sure what role he'll get but there's a lot of Cheap players is where I'm going with it, and then you had the rookies that didn't play last year. You, you got the Chessa, you got the Wilmot, you got the, the Charlie Dean. These guys Gould finally, obviously didn't play last year. <laughs> <laughs> these all these guys the year might before, finally the get their chance <laughs> in, in 2023. Um, Connor McKenna as well. I scrolled past him. I forgot it's in my side. Um, 167k. Like all these guys are viable in some capacity at this stage of the season, and that, yeah. that's a really good feeling that you could. I guess select all
2: of them and no premiums if you really wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Um, So let's move on to uh, you've gone light in the defense line. Uh, That sort of indicates to me that you've probably gone heavy in another line. Uh, Do you want to talk about where the the extra cash might have ended up?
3: Oh, maybe it's a bit of regret from last season. I've kind of more heavily invested in my midfield. It's a little bit of fun for yep. now, just going really heavy. Uh, Eight deep. In, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> in, the, in that <laughs> midfield, um, I'm kind of looking at these top end premiums and thinking which ones have you know upside, but at the same time, I want to make sure I'm picking. I'm getting a good captaincy every week. I, I did notice some people picking their teams where they had like Jack Steele as the M1 and I'm, I'm thinking like who's going to be a captain every week like Jack Steele That's yeah. feels a little bit risky to me but yeah look I popped Jack Steele in at 604,000 just seems you know 40k maybe underpriced or so if he gets back to his previous best um, you've got Laird at 703k and Oliver at 700k I'm not sure um, they're particularly good value but that's where your, your captaincy probably comes from from one of them Um and the players that I have at the moment are both bulldogs, Pelly and Jack McRae. Um, yeah. Both priced at one sixteen and one fifteen, but with Lob up forward and Dunkley now out of the side. I think they just both have a little bit more midfield time and less pushed forward um, at random times. So both of them are probably a little bit underpriced. So kind of like just selecting them for now and seeing what happens but yeah it's a very very deep midfield with five premium midfielders straight off the bat and then um chizo I, I did notice in your team you had had a, a couple of different players uh do you want to talk about some of maybe those mid prices or premiums i missed that that you'd like
2: Oh, just to touch on the the Jack McRae and Bontempelli, I think they're they're interesting for two separate reasons. We know that uh, Rory Lobb changes clubs every time they make him go into the ruck line, so yeah. the the fact that he's going to the doggies and they probably want to keep him uh, means he's probably going to play forward, which means Bont might get some more time on ball, which we all love, and and he uh, he gets that champion data bonus. Um, so that's that's one of the reasons. But I think Jack McRae was. One of the guys, yes, he had a, a little bit of a down year last year, but also his splits in terms of his his CBA and midfield time were affected. We saw Dunkley get a minor boost last year, but playing quite a similar role. Um, his departure, I think, bodes really, really well for McRae as well. I think uh, of the, the, the players that are in that kind of uh, price range, uh, you know, Bont, McRae, um, around that six thirty mark, he's probably the one for me that I think easiest to predict going back into that one twenty. So, um, I like the probably fifty k of value, if not more, that you get from McRae in that in that section. Yeah. Um, but something that I sort of I, I sort of mentioned before in terms of about uh, the, the structures being a little bit different, the main sort of breakout. Um, options or at least underpriced premium or fallen premium prices, which I kind of consider around the 300 to 350 range, you're looking at the likes of Jacob Hopper that's now at the Tigers. He's going to get straight into that midfield role. Um, he, he's basically not got a whole lot of competition when it comes to um, playing in the center for the Tigers. Um, and I, I really just see him as just being inserted in as that central cog. He'll be at all the CBAs, in and under, uh, really easy for him to to pop back up to around that hundred average as a, a conservative estimate, uh, which is sort of where he's been performing over the last few years. Um, and suddenly, you know, that's almost two hundred k underpriced if we're going on a magic number of, uh, of four five thousand four hundred. So, um, these kind of guys that we we saw last year as like those, uh, if not a stepping stone, but like a a, a semi keeper, I think are a little bit cheaper and probably in a different. Um, position as we saw previously. I think I'm seeing more enticing options as the midfield, whereas previously we saw them in the forward line and back line in previous seasons. What are your thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, no, I I think that's key um, that there's, I guess, cheaper, I don't know if more obvious options is the right word, but at least from clicking through, I, I'm, I'm more inclined to put Hopper in my side, which I did straight away because that price um, compared to last year. I mean, Cripps was like 450K and it was really awkward to select and this year i'm not seeing players around that mark around the 450k mark that interests me i mean if yeah we, if you want to pick out i guess underpriced premium you're going to have to pay up a lot more and that's we're talking the the tom mitchell at 530 or chad chad warner at 530 or tom green at 530 yeah. all those guys <laughs> um you got ldu that's at like 555 five, five, five. five they, yeah almost five sixty. guys you probably aren't picking all of them, but you could definitely. I, I imagine there's many people that are picking at least one. I think Tom Green yep. is going to be exceptionally popular. Uh, I mean, for good reason as well. But yep. they're not the 450k, which last year that's that's a significant saving. Like you're, instead of picking a 650k McRae, picking a 450k Cripps who matches McRae in the first ten weeks. Like I, I see why everyone that then had Crips early or or started with him, you know, got massive benefit. But it's not that much of a saving between, I guess, Tom Green and like Jack Steele. Like that's 70K. That's Mm. I I don't even know if that's yeah. It's something we're gonna have to discuss closer to the time. I just think, you know, I I was a Tom Green owner for majority of the year. And I specifically remember I don't have the stats in front of me, but I specifically remember a game where there was two of their midfielders out. I think like, I don't know if it was Keneally or Taranto or whoever it was, there was definitely two of their midfielders out. And I've just rubbed my hands together thinking Tom Green, midfield all to himself. He is going to have yep. a really good game. And then he played half of that game in the forward line for like two consecutive weeks when he was the only good midfielder. Yep. And there's a new coach. So GWS team. Relevant. Yeah, it's it's completely irrelevant what happens last season because of the new coach. But I understand Taranto's is not there and Hopper's not there. But last season, Tom Green just randomly played forward, um, and I don't know if I don't really know why. I can't pretend to understand the coach. But I need to see what happens with the new coach this year and how that impacts their their midfield. And if he comes out and says Tom Green's our number one midfielder all season, yeah, baby, let's do this. Or if he's just going to be like, oh, we need to protect him as a young player. I'm not really sure which way it goes, but. I'm a little bit burnt and a little bit shy and um, I'm not sure if people who don't didn't have Tom Green last season are kind of aware of the background of what it was like as a Tom Green owner.
2: So are, are you basically emphasizing a, a thing of caution or is that you being negatively affected and, and recency biased in terms of what he did to you last year? Because it, it yeah. seems from the outside that he's just a plug and play.
3: No, I, th- I think... I think there needs to be more caution than there is. I think he can totally turn out to be a viable pick, and I'm, I certainly might still pick him. I obviously like him and think he's got good potential. That's why I picked him last season. Mm. I it's just I think there's more people seeing him. They think Hopper gone, Taranto gone, Tom Green in. Like that's it, and they, yeah. it, that's that's where the that's where the mindset just stops. But uh, there's a little bit more to it, and there's a bit more risk than that, and that might be irrelevant by the time round one comes and we, we understand the new coaching style and everything. But I just think, like, for right now, the team picker, he's probably going to be in too many teams uh, because you
2: don't think of those things this early in the preseason. Speaking of Tom Green, I want to talk about the pistol habit of picking a, a guy that's just hitting a purple patch and then keeping it secret for two weeks until... Everyone starts cluing on. And you're like, oh, hey, guys, my name's Pistol. I've had him for two weeks. I've got on before the turn turn of the tide. Um, is that going to happen again this year? Are you actually going to give everyone a heads up when you pick the likes of Aaron Hall two weeks early and Tom Green two weeks early? <laughs> I have Finn Callahan in my
3: side at the moment, so I'll give you that little bit of a heads up. Um, oh, me too. <laughs> well, there we go. 244K. We'll see how he goes uh, in the preseason. I'm, I'm hoping they just say... Tom Green you're in the midfield Callahan you're in the midfield this is what our structure is kind of going to be like moving forward like get used to playing with each other that's going to be the midfield for the next 10 years um that that's kind of what I'm hoping because we know Callahan's potential as like a inside ball winning midfielder and big boy as well um and with Tom Green's love of handballing it's it's just like it sounds good on paper so we'll see if it's good in
2: like practicality I guess and I was one of the, the people that made fun of GWS going, oh, another inside midfielder, exactly what they've been missing out on. And it turns <laughs> out that he, he's going to be a great great pick for 2023 for GWS as a team. Um, we've talked about midfield. We've talked about the back line. Are there any um, more
3: midfielder um, mid prices that, you, that kind of tickled your fancy or not really? There's a, lot of,
2: there's a lot of DPP guys that I could pick into the midfield that um, take more of a fancy in that 300K range uh, as opposed to a, a straight mid um, you're looking at the likes of a uh, nat five um, and we'll get to why i'm bringing them up in the midfield in just a second um, or or someone like a Taryn thomas uh, who's at 296 k5 at 314k just rounding there um, i can see them ending up in our midfields as another mid pricer looking to to make us some cash and and probably being a stepping stone i think um, so straight off the bat we all know the risks that come with Fife. At 314K, he is a stepping stone. We can't get lulled into the false sense of security that he's oh he's going to be a forward p- keeper for the rest of the year. Um, I'll say that straight off the bat. Um, but the reason I'm bringing these kind of guys up is I see them having the best potential um, in outperforming their current price bracket, which is in the low 300s uh, or, or under 300 in, in the uh, reference to Taron Thomas. But it's because I think our forward line is probably the line that I'm going to be most comfortable with going into the 2023 season is because we've got a lot of DPP options in the likes of Dunkley and Taranto that we could be picking there. We've got the likes of Toby McLean coming back, Josh Bruce likely coming back, Ben King likely coming back, and we nearly always have a forward-eligible bunch of rookies that we're going to be picking from. So I don't think we're going to be struggling to fit in these forward breakouts, um, I think the difficulty will be is kind of turning our nose up at the likes of, say, a Fife and a, a Taron Thomas if you are that way inclined and then not having a position for them in the forward line. I, I would see that kind of spilling over yeah. into our midfield.
3: Yeah. No, that that sounds like what I've seen in when I'm looking at people's sides. A lot of them have one or two or sometimes three forward DPP. Players like in their midfield at the moment, just because it is yeah. spilling over. Um, so that is that is a pretty astute observation. I know you mentioned a couple of names already, Chizo. But any other forward premiums? You know, you've shortlisted for your your starting side.
2: Well, I think the last two years I have felt really insecure in terms of a forward line and we were going in with like Jack Zeeble and Impey a few years ago. Um, <laughs> yep. This year we've got the likes of Dunkley, Canelio, Butters is now really on the cusp of being an Uber premium. He's ranked fourth in terms of overall average from 2022 and he hasn't really hit the light, the, the heights that JV's been promising since he was born. <laughs> Connor Rosie was finally um, put into the midfield last year, and his ninety-three point three averages is not super representative of what his potential can be if he continues with that role. He's only five hundred and fourteen k, slightly more expensive That's than Taranto at five hundred and three k. So it's also Australian. Um, <laughs> uh, rather than looking at the likes of say uh, a Hawkins or a, a Tommy Lynch or Jeremy Cameron or uh, these sorts of Key forward types, which have sort of filled out our like fifty percent of the positions of the top ten averaging forwards over the last few years. This year, it's going to be super easy to be just picking these these DPP guys that you don't like. Cornelio? okay, get Butters. Butters is a bit risky for you. Maybe you got Taranto. You need to save a little bit of money, and you want to get a little bit more risky. Suddenly, you've got Harry Himmelberg to that is is lost a little bit of relevance and, and uh, not being talked about as much as what he probably should be based on the, uh, the, the back half of 2022 because of the options that we do have. So, Chizo, if you're looking at Dunkley, you know, mm-hmm. 596K,
3: and you're like, okay, well, he's changed clubs and he's an absolute lock. We don't have to think about that one. And then, if, as you were saying, Rosie, 514K and Toronto, 504K. Both yeah. of these guys, you think they're going to underperform their averages, so might might pop them in, and then you've got if you're picking a fourth premium, um, you might be looking at you know at Butters as you said, or Canelio because mm-hmm. there's no midfield anymore, and he might be the one that's thrown in yep. full time. Is it? Th- this is obviously locking away a lot of slots. Remember last season, there was quite a few players that got DPP throughout the season. You got the Luke Parkers and the Bontempi's, the Tom Liberatores. You got these players that all were like 105 plus, like even. I would say all all those players are better than every player I've mentioned in the forward line but Josh Dunkley. Is it something you're thinking of in the back of your mind that, hey, like I know I really like five forwards, but maybe I just want to pick three just in case we get these amazing DPP midfield options?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think it goes without saying that last year's plan of going a little bit lighter in the forward line because we knew we were going to get options. I think um, Bailey Smith missed out by less than 1% in getting yeah. um, getting forward el- eligibility. He's another one that's going to average around 100. No Dunkley. He's probably going to get a few-point bump as well. So he's going to be super, super relevant um, maybe after round six or thereabouts. Um, so I, I absolutely agree. I don't think we should see teams that have both the Port guys, Taranto, Dunkley, and Cornelio, and suddenly you've got Uh, a rookie at F6. I think that's far too deep. Um, I think they're all going to be around the top 10 mark for forward. So uh, I'm not necessarily saying that you're going to miss out on someone, but it's likely at some point during the year, we're going to get a Bontempelli who gets DPP, who's averaging 116. You know, I'm not saying Bont will get it this year, but it's likely we will get someone. And if you clog it all up with guys that you're, you know, uh, uh, one of the sayings... um, is don't be so sure of what you want that you have to turn down a better option. And I've paraphrased that. I can't remember where I picked it up from. But locking ourselves into these five guys because they're available at the start of the season neglects the option to pick a better option at a later date. Um, So I think five's too deep. I think three or four would be about the mark. Um, And, again, depending on rookies and where they're available – we might see a plethora of forward rookies and no midfields. And then a couple of these guys do end up floating over into the midfield anyway. So um, I, I think that's uh, the, the flexibility that will be afforded will mean that we can keep the forward line open a little bit better than pro- perhaps last year.
3: Yeah. And I don't know if we will get the same good options, but I, I did notice that some teams I was looking at had four, you know, I guess guns. And then they had someone like, you know, a Cunnington, as we said before at 420 K and I just looked yep. at it and I was like, uh, if there's going to be two absolute jets that get forward status throughout the year, you're going to be in trouble a little bit. So I, I might, I know my gut feel this early in the preseason, which is obviously too early to even be thinking about this. I, I just think, well, I'll go the most conservative route. Like I'm only going to pick three premium forwards and we'll figure it out from there. And that, that's kind of how I'm structuring my my current side um, because there are a lot of cheaper forwards DPPs um, that I'm interested in. Cheese. So you've named half of them. Did you? Did you want to? I guess touch on some of the prices of I guess ones that you've mentioned or ones uh, other ones that you haven't mentioned.
2: Yeah. So I've obviously mentioned Nat Five, who is at the 314k mark. Uh, he's probably the, the 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 top end of the uh, the mid prices in the forward line that I'll be looking at. There's nothing um, super enticing. I guess really between 250 and 400 K that stands out other than someone like Fife and, and Taron Thomas, if uh, he can get back to his best in 2023, you really do have to come down to about the 200 K mark to find some of the guys that um, some names of some established players that are coming back from injury that we could be um, sort of looking at. Obviously we've got Josh Bruce for the doggies, hoping that he will come back in at 161 K $200. uh, $200. Uh, we have the likes of Brent Daniels, who, um, while probably doesn't have the greatest scoring potential, he does certainly have that role in terms of uh, getting games at GWS before he had that Liz Frank injury and missed all of last year. Um, Aaron Francis uh, is priced similarly to 190000 Whether he gets used um, on a regular basis by the Swans is yet to be seen, but he's another established name. And, and someone that's probably going overlooked, even though he did come back towards uh, the final series, is Toby McLean, pistol 179000 pretty much on the dot there, uh, mid-forward eligibility. He's going to be really, really simple to just plug straight into a, a playing position in our forward line. If he's ready to go by round one, because I think the dog is, um, he's just going to slip straight into that side. It's funny because there's
3: a lot of rookies as well, um, which we don't usually talk about rookies on the first podcast because it's all hit and miss. But a a couple of them, you know, like Shizu and um, Humphrey, um, I mean, even from last year, you've got Peddler this year, uh, Philippou. There's just a bunch of forward Mid rookies um, mm. that are available, as well as yeah, as you had, had uh, alluded to earlier, Ben King, one seventy six k. There's there's a lot of options, like a lot, and you'd you'd say a couple of them spill over into the midfield, and I think that's very likely uh, going into yeah. next season as well. There's there's all those you know forwards that we kind of um, were hoping would get a game last season that kind of didn't. That might play around one, maybe not the best scorers like um you the the Brockman, and you've got your Comden or Edwards, Combo, um, Eddie Ford. All these players, I think, get games at some stage. There's, there's more Bailey Lurie from, from the Ds. Um, Finlay McRae might finally get a crack. There's, <laughs> no. there's just so many forward names that are question marks at the moment, but at least feel like they have a chance, Yeah, um, which is really good at this stage of the season. Uh, I've got a feeling we're going to head into round one and there's going to be a lot of viable options in the forward line and that like more so than just the eight slots we're given and and as you said that spill in the midfield but not just that there's gonna be so many that everyone's gonna have much more variance in their starting teams than at least in the last couple of seasons and that's only a good thing for Supercoach. It's more fun, more things to talk about. I think that's just, you know,
2: beneficial all around yeah, I just want to mark down the date, December 2022. Pistol said we're going to have so many forward rookie options that they're going to spill over into the forward line. We're not going to have any problems with our rookie selections. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, just, just <laughs> putting forgot. that. Tipper is cheaper. Yeah, well. that's true. He, game. There's, yeah.
3: There's, there's, a lot of, there's just a lot of options that are cheaper. I think I think this yeah, – I'm, I'm a bit excited about it. Don't, let don't, let, don't let me wrap it enthusiasm. up for you.
2: Let me wrap it up for you. I think we're going to be less reliant on first-year players. To be yes. filling out spots, particularly on the field, I think that's yeah. the the kind of take home messages. We're going to have like say Ben that's King, better. who would be an instant into that team. We're going to have McLean if he, you know, if he's fitting up and running. I really can't see him being in and out of that doggy side. Uh, Bruce is probably back in. You know, as well, you mentioned, questionable with Lob coming back. We don't, we don't know how they'll line up yet, but it's it's there's. Now options. who's killing my enthusiasm?
0: So, yeah. no,
3: he got He might,
2: he might, he definitely might. <laughs> uh, whereas previously we've been looking at like the, uh, say, Connor Mack for the Hawks last year. We're just like, ah, come on, you've just got to play. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? And I think there's going to be, particularly in the forward line, a little bit less of that uh, pistol. So we're going to go to a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk all things in the ruck line. Okay, Pistol, we're back. We've covered the back line, the forward line, and the midfields. The last line we're going to cover now is the ruck line. I want to know your initial thoughts because <laughs> originally, for the last you know five or six years, there's at least one top echelon ruckman, whether it be Grundy or Gorn, that we just go bang straight in there at R1 and we'll figure out R2 later. This is where there's going to be... No template. I don't think there is going to be so much variability when it comes to people's ruck lines. Um, I've got Tim English at R1. I want to know your thoughts of what you think is going to be the uh, the, the main thoughts going into the ruck line. It's
3: very interesting, Chizo. I also have Tim English uh, currently at R1. Obviously subject to change. I think there's you know with lob as you said comes into the side and refuses to rock um i think that's that does benefit english um plus like english last year his starting scores where he was averaging like monster things obviously i don't know if he can redo that again but i would like to be on it when it happens then and then not on it when it happens um so i'm a bit worried about all those concussions and you know, being a bit injury prone, but I think that the upside there might be worth it. So I that's why I've slotted him in this early on. Um It's definitely subject to change. There's so many ruck options. I mean, Gorn and Grundy, I feel personally like I can't pick either of them because I don't know who's going to be the starting ruck or if it's going to be split. It's just there's too much chaos. I think there's an option in wits, uh mostly because he's in that bye round. That's the one with uh, Geelong in round 13 where... There's no one else that has a buy, so him being able to play through all the other tougher buy rounds is a massive benefit, but at the end of the day, you're paying for 110 average for a guy that's never gone anything near that before. We don't know if it was a fluke, um, and I'd I just love to kind of see what happens with it, and then the whole Sean Darcy and, and uh, Luke Jackson combo is making me stay far away. So to answer your question, Cheezo, the only real options I'm looking at for my R2 become i guess rowan marshall uh and personally i'm looking at darcy cameron at a pinch you could probably also pick you know like a meek or a lyset or a, a nank Nankers, i guess um but they're the only ones that i'm really considering at this stage of the year personally darcy cameron uh we know grundy left so so cameron is kind of that little bit of value um Priced at 85, but after Grundy left, he he went 97 average on the year. And he's got DPP. So that ruck forward status allows me to shift him into the forward line, which is why another reason I'm only thinking of going three forward premiums and not four, because then I can't shift Cameron as the fifth, so it's too deep. Um, And that just lets me reassess what's going on during the year with the rucks. Like if if Gorn comes out and is the number one ruck and they just play Grundy pure forward, then you know I'm going to want to get Gorn. So I I don't really want to lock myself away Two ruckmen straight off the bat, so that that's kind of my first early mindset. I'm sure things will change, and you know if Meek is the number one ruck by himself, and they don't play Reeves, I, I got a feeling they might play both. But if they don't, and you know Meek's just going 105 every game in the preseason, then I'm I'm
2: probably just going to pick him
3: for example. So that's every my every early of thoughts. the one
2: game in the preseason.
3: Yeah, every of the one practice match and the one coordinated match uh, or in- intra-club and inter-club match. Uh, I just need more information before I get set on that ruck line, but at least in my early drafts of the team, the current combination of English and,
2: and Cameron is what's jumping out to me. What about you, Chiso? Um I'm just going to summarize that. You're cancelling out the D's boys in Gorn and Grundy because you don't know the split that they're going to have, the role they're yep. going to have, and... Yeah, you're basically not seeing any upside to either of those guys? So, Grundy
3: is cheap for his potential output. he's only priced at, I think, 93. And, you know, he obviously averaged 103 last year. So, so Grundy's got that upside. But in saying that, what, what if they play Gorman, Ruck 80% of the time and Grundy forward 80% of the time? You know, then there's yeah. a nothing pick. So, I just... When I'm making my team... Yeah, I mean you're right. Then he does can <laughs> average he, he can might, average, average
2: eighty five in the forward line for us.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's right. I just when I'm just making my team, it's all for a bit of fun at this stage of the year. Before I get you know think about it
2: too yeah. much,
3: um, I just kind of wanted to get my structure right. And for now, there's no way I'm making a team and forking out you know six hundred and twenty odd k for Gorn and trying to create my team. Granted, um, you could probably yeah, you could fit it in and replace it with Marshall you know, if you're just swapping between them because they're almost the same price. Um, But yeah, I'd, I'd just rather stay away from the unknowns until I hear more information.
2: Yeah. In terms of – look, I'm not saying I disagree. I think that the Darcy-Jackson combo is going to make it really difficult for either of them to stamp themselves as a high-scoring ruck. I think that Gorn and Grundy will impact each other. I do like the fact that Grundy only played six games, so he does get that little bit of a discount on top of the fact he had a pretty poor year last year. So um, there's certainly some value there. I think picking up Grundy at the price of 92, or I think he is, or, or thereabouts um, – I don't think Grundy's going to suddenly average under ninety. And even if he does average ninety, you're getting him at, at pretty much fair value. So yeah, uh, there there true. is a there there's a trade off between. I think one of the successes that we saw last year was people taking these guys that end up being premiums and just taking value repeatedly across multiple positions. So. Uh, I'm enticed by the likes of Grundy. Um, directly below him, so Grundy is 513K. Directly below Rowan Marshall at 507K. He is one of the names that everyone is expecting to kind of bump up from the 92 average from his 21 games last year to suddenly be 100-plus kind of uh, lock at R1. I know that the Saints are hoping... Um, that uh, Jack Hayes comes back early in the season. I don't think he'll be there for round one. Max King's obviously having the shoulder reconstruction, which means there's the potential for Rowan Marshall going to play a little bit more forward than he otherwise would have. Um, Is that sort of how you're getting to a Darcy Cameron in that it's sort of a process of an elimination of all the guys that you would rather pick having a better argument that they're not going to perform and therefore falls to Darcy Cameron? Yeah I'm
3: very open to starting Rowan Marshall it's it's more the dpp for for Darcy Cameron to let me like if if Darcy Cameron's not the guy you know if he goes 97 and that's all the top Ruckman are going 110 well then I'll just flip Cameron to my f6 and then yeah. pick Rowan Marshall going 110 you know so it's more the dpp flexibility early um kind of Gives me a safety net if I've chosen the wrong one. Um, I just know that I'm paying 85 for Darcy Cameron. He should go 95 plus as a sole number one ruck at Collingwood. So I feel like I'm getting like instant value. Um, and and whilst Marshall did average 92, um, you know, if I want 15 points in value in him to 107, like that's a good average. Like you have to play consistently well to average that, and he has that potential. But mm. it only takes one or two games of him either getting injured and he is injury-prone, or one or two games of him just resting a bit more forward until King comes back early in the season um, for him just to hover in price. And you know what? Then if that looks what's happening, I'll jump on then and have a higher average for him once King comes back for the rest of the season. So yeah, yeah I'm still still definitely open to starting Marshall or, or, or Meek if if that's where it looks like uh, the preseason's heading um, as number one rucks. But yeah, it's more... First draft, I like the flexibility that Cameron gives. I like the almost inbuilt, I shouldn't say nothing's a guarantee, but inbuilt guaranteed value that I kind of see at the moment there.
2: Yeah. And I guess uh, so the the reason I'm kind of playing devil's advocate in that way is because I'm sort of playing the opposite way and trying to – well, along the similar lines, I'm picking Brody Grundy at R2 just for the time being. He's slightly more elevated in price, which means there's that protection factor that if I do need to downgrade him to to someone, um, it frees up a little bit of a cash in terms of the, the rest of my starting squad. Uh, similar thoughts between um, you know when you're formulating your side, you pick a pick a few uh, a higher priced rookies to 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 build in that kind of price safety uh, if changes need to be made. Um, but I also think that. He's probably the one name around that mark, uh, that the early five hundreds, that shows the most upside. I'm not sure that, um, like, if we're contrasting that with Lloyd Meek. Yes, he's playing. uh, He's moved over to the Hawks. I see him in a lot of a lot of teams already. It's not he's not exactly cheap at four hundred and thirty-one thousand one hundred dollars. And I'm not even sure he's going to be a sole R one ruck at yeah. the Hawks anyway. Whether he's going to split time with Reeves, who wasn't actually terrible last year, so I, I, like if I'm questioning a role on someone, I really don't want to be paying 430k for him. So if it turns out that he ends up being the the breakout ruck option that we need to be getting on, I've priced in that extra kind of 70, 80k with Grundy that I can downgrade and then distribute that elsewhere within the side before the
3: season starts. Correct. Yes, yep. yeah. That's
2: that's all part of the starting squad squad structure that uh, enables me to have more flexibility. It's not necessarily that I think that Grundy's a must have and uh, I'm locking myself myself out of picking the likes of Rowan Marshall or Agorn and things like that. I just think that in terms of the value at R2 and the yeah. risk associated with it, he is one of the safer picks to not lose value and cost cost me in in that position.
3: Yeah, I don't want to pick Meek now just because if it goes pear shaped and he's not the sole starting ruck, I have to like rearrange my team to find 30k more to like upgrade to Cameron, which could mean that it's not as easy as you know one rookie out, one rookie in. It might mean I have to change a premium that I was really set on. Um, so yeah, I, I'm with you, and I just picked the kind of higher priced than the base ones so that I have that flexibility to to flip around if I'm not like set on. A premium. I do that with my midfield as well. I've got Laird in my midfield. I, I don't think I'll take Laird into the season, but I don't know who I want. So I just yep. put
2: in the most expensive one and I'll, I'll build around it. I guess the, the the ability of picking someone like Laird or Oliver at R1, just to jump onto your segue, is my that... R1? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, DPP. Um, is that it enables you to take a little bit more value in the likes of, say, a McCray or a Steele... Um, because you've already got that pretty safe captaincy option, which is something that you alluded to before, that guys are taking value at M1, 2, 3, and 4, and then there's no clear week-to-week captaincy option that you can be comfortable with. So... Um, Uh, it's that built-in safety factor as well that you can always downgrade them to someone that is showing great, great potential. Um, Pistol, the next segment that I do want to jump into is I want to know your thoughts on what some of these new coaches might bring to the fantasy aspects of our players. I'm going to start with the Dons. Um, Brad Scott, the the new coach there signing up to a a few years, he's already come out in the media and said, I'm not here to try and... um, see what players I can convert into a different position and, and make them multifaceted. I'm going to be playing players in the Essendon side where they play to their strengths. And specifically I'm like already seeing like what we've been arguing as an Essendon supporter for the last few years, playing parish in the midfield um, and, and these types of things. He's planning on making sure that these guys are getting the best out of them from the strengths that they have. Uh, in terms of the Dons, are you seeing that across the board um, giving us any benefit in a particular area?
3: I don't have any Dons player in my side. And yep. I don't think I'm considering any of them outside of us, outside, uh, which might just be if he plays around one. You know, rookies, we never really know at this stage of the year. But I, I don't like... As in, it's fine with what he says, and like I agree, sure, play play see your strength. But I might not like agree <laughs> yeah that is Their that strength. is that player's strength, yep. Yep. and therefore that might ruin it for me. So if he he says Darcy Parish is a wingman, and he's just hell bent on Parish being a wingman, you know, I'm not yep. going to pick Parish my super coach team being like, well, he's the best inside mid and has, so the coach must agree. Um, I mean, the coach might not agree, and then I've got a player that i don't really want in my super coach side so sure i it's hard to judge after the as you said there's only one really like inter-club game um and because there's not a whole preseason competition i i'm trying to tend to stay away from teams with new coaches because i don't know what i'm going to get out of them and yeah, that sure. scares me yeah so that's that's what i'm doing at the moment so no excellent so- players for me
2: what yeah, so pre- predicting like someone like Ridley going back up to a three-figure average is something that you're just, I'm not even going to touch that, not going to think about it. Yeah. If it happens, that's great, but I'm not willing to to be the one that takes that punt. Um, is the not, same? not in December. <laughs> exactly, yeah, uh, until we see some exposed form. Uh, in terms yeah. of Ross the boss going back to the Saints, is that tempering your expectations on seeing someone like Steele having as much value as what people are predicting based on the fact he's gone 120 previously?
3: Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. So I, I am hesitant to pick any saints as well. So that includes no Marshall, no Sinclair, no Steel. Um, I think Steel is value, and I mean I, I'm, I've been on the he's been in and out of my my side. He's the midfielder that I keep getting rid of for lead and going back and forth and back and forth, but it's tough because. I think he is definitely value. He got injured in a game last season and scored 75. I think he was almost on that at halftime and then played forward. So there's that little bit of underpriced. It's not that much underpriced, to be honest. Um, He had some down games. But Ross, the boss's game style, might be completely different. And he might suffer in Supercoach because of it. We just need to look at what happened with uh Fly, you know, the Collingwood coach came in and he said, you know what, Collingwood's game plan is going to be get the ball forward at all costs, but just go for um, I guess, you know, f- duking it out one on one with your opponent, scramble it forward, hit the scoreboard, you know, just like pressure and attack. Um, you know, rebound off the back line, set up your attacks from there. And it meant that Collingwood's had really low possessions through every game. Um there weren't you know, Crisp fell from, I think it was like 27 touches to 23. Adams fell from 27 touches to 22. Um, we weren't a very high-disposable team because we didn't chip it around anymore. Rush Let's it forward. Just get it forward at all costs. And that meant that you're looking at... Um, I clicked on the midfield, and I just saw three Collingwood players in a row. I saw... Um, Tom Mitchell, Scott Pendlebury, Jack Crisp, fortieth, forty first, and forty second, all at five twenty k, all with averages of ninety five, and to go a bit lower. We didn't have a good super coach asset outside of I guess Nick Dacos, but he wasn't top tier. Um, so I that that would be you know stay away, and I I kind of feel like maybe Ross Lyon might do something similar because you can only really use the players that you have in the side, and I'm not a massive fan of the Quality of midfielders that uh, Saint Kilda have kind of put together, and it might be similar there, where we just need to wait and see if what they do with their midfield composition. I don't think they're skillful enough to to pass it around, chip it together. And I I have more flags raised on Jack Steele than I've seen online. I think I think most people are just picking him because they think yeah okay cheap, but I, yeah. I have question marks
2: over him, and for that reason, I've not picked Sinclair either. That's that's why I went with Tom Stewart. Okay. Um, In terms of GWS, uh, just for the last uh, new coach that we're going to talk about, um, the departures going from that side, mean. Like, I probably read that as um, he's probably not going to play games in terms of his midfield when it comes to the start of the year because he's had some of those senior bodies removed from there. I think it's a pretty uh, safe assumption that he's going to want the likes of Canelio and Tom Green to go in there until he kind of finds that that footing and can start stretching out to um, players that might not necessarily scream, play me in the mids. And and for that reason, they might be a little bit, uh, not so much safer, but I can be a little bit more confident in what role they might have based on the new the coach arrival.
3: So it's interesting when you have a coach that's been an assistant coach for a really long time and hasn't got to have his own way with his own team. I, I don't know what style of play he's going to have. I have yep. less concerns about picking someone like Tom Green just because his percentage of contested ball is off the charts yeah. uh, compared to pretty much any other midfielder. I mean, as a, as a junior specifically, I think it was like 65 contested. So he gets the ball first and he, he handballs, but it's still enough concern that I don't have any GWS players outside Finn Callahan currently in my side. And that's that one is completely, I've picked the highest priced rookie. And if he doesn't look like he's good, I'm great, because I can go down to a 180K player and, then that's fine. I'll just have them instead in my side. So yeah, that's kind of. I don't. I don't really plan on taking a GWS player into the season. Um, maybe Green, if if it's looking that way in the preseason. But yeah, I, all these coaches, it scares me too much. There's there's an argument to be had where if Himmelberg plays forward, where he's been training, you might there's value in coming uh, down back just because he'll be back on the kick out. So he might be a little bit underpriced. But I'm too scared. To be honest, uh, in December you can be—you don't need to be uh, fearless. <laughs> you can you can play it safe, and then you can figure out after there's a bit more yeah. uh, inter club games, and you can get a bit more data, and then you can kind of shift it around. But yeah, at this stage of the season, I play my—it's funny because it's the opposite of how I usually have my starting team, which is somewhat aggressive, um, but currently. Um, Exceptionally conservative, more so than you, which is Mm. (laughs) which is
2: an interesting fact right now that I'm seeing. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, The last thing that I want to touch on um, in in terms of big kind of structure and strategy wise for 2023 is the fact that we've got buys later on in the season than ever. Uh, So we've got around we've got four rounds of the multi buys. Round 12 sees the Lions, Dockers, Saints, and Swans. Round 13, we only have the Suns and the Cats. Round 14, we have the Crows, Magpies, Bombers, Hawks, Dees, and Eagles. And round 15 uh, is the Blues, Giants, Roos, Power, Tigers, and Bulldogs. Obviously, only having six teams having had the buyer by round 13 is different to the 12 than what we're used to. And having 12 teams back-ended in terms of round 14 and 15, when we would already typically have our teams you know, completed it or at least coming out of round 14, um, going into round 15 is when we're making our final upgrades. What are your initial thoughts on how the multi-buyers have been split up and what that probably means for our starting squad in terms of picking some of these players?
3: Yeah, great question. Something I've been thinking about a little bit. Um, now, your gut instinct when you hear that is you think, okay, round 13, there's only Geelong and, and Gold Coast, so it's a, a week buy rounds. You can get away easily with 18-plus premium players. Yeah. So I'm going to lock myself into a couple of those guys, whether it's Tuk and, um, you know, Took Miller or, or Tom Stewart. I can't believe I forgot his name. <laughs> 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 Don't Stewart. worry, I was struggling or, for a, a Cats premium as well. Or wits maybe Uh, I was looking at those players and I think Well I'll just pick all of them Because then I'll get through all the buys really easily And then I thought about it a bit deeper And and was like you know what Because of that round 15 buy I I might want to I'm not going to upgrade to somebody with the round 15 buy Correct Like from round 10 onwards I'm not going to do it So I may as well start with as many round 15 players as I think are good um, and go heavy there, and, and a little bit heavier around fourteen as well, and just go really really light for round twelve and thirteen yeah. because it gives me it gives me someone to upgrade to. So if I'm going to have my team completed by round fourteen as I did last year, then I might want to leave you know a midfield slot open for Miller and pick him up at round thirteen. Mm. Um, that that might be the best time to do it. And I'm looking at you know backline as well saints have have an early buy and maybe i'll get sinclair after his buy so you know as my final upgrade in my backline so that's kind of how i'm thinking of it right now haven't thought about it too hard um because i don't even haven't memorized yet which which teams in which buy outside of the, the easy buy but i think just my yeah my, my instinct there would be to to go heavy in round 15 because we're not going to upgrade to those players and let those round 12 and 13 players, unless they're like absolute certainties. I think off the top of my head, Brisbane might be the first one. So Correct. I'm going to be picking Dunkley. Um, you know, I might, I might be picking up a Lockie Neal after that buy, for example, and and start with um, Oliver or someone said, I hope Oliver <laughs> Oliver shouldn't have that round 12 bye. Um so, yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking. What, is that something similar to what you're thinking, Cheeso?
2: I am thinking similar. I'm just worried about getting to round 15 and then having a, a round where we get completely walloped and I'm playing with 16 players yeah. on the field, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, And if I'm thinking about the premiums that we might have in round 15, let me just go through the, the teams again. You've got Carlton, GWS, Kangaroos, Port Adelaide, the Tigers and the Bulldogs. Obviously, the Bulldogs have some premiums. We don't know what Hopper um, might end up being for the Tigers. Uh, Toronto's another one. you got two forward line uh, premiers for the Port Power in Butters and Rosie. Um, I don't think there's anyone relevant from the ruse the that I, I know you want to pick uh, for Aaron Halls again this year. Uh, <laughs> you've just talked about staying away from GWS and then Carlton, yeah. obviously, um, probably you've you got Doherty down back. Uh, maybe Walsh takes another step and becomes a 120 player at some point. Um, there's not necessarily a whole team's worth of premiums in those the those sides that are going to have the buy in round 15. So it probably just leads credence to taking one extra that we that aren't like screaming pick me like the so the Tigers boys the the, the doggies uh, probably one from Port Adelaide. So you know maybe that, that convinces you to start say Canelio or someone like that. There's probably only one more player in there that is not already on our radar that can start tilting towards a, a heavier round fifteen. Um, so it it probably doesn't change the structure that we're ordinarily going in without taking the buys into consideration. But as you mentioned, having uh, round twelve has the Lions, it has uh, Frio, St Kilda, and the Swans. You could easily see Mills or Steel um and and Neil all coming off the first buy round as being like you could you could end up really getting close to polishing off your midfield coming out of the first one or two buy rounds.
3: Yeah, it's interesting now that you've read those players and I've just been staring at my team while you've been talking just because it doesn't necessarily need to be the premiums that you take yes. in the year. It could be the mid prices, right? Now, if I'm if I'm hearing correctly, you said, you know, North Melbourne and GWS yep. in that final buy round. That makes a Little bit more sense to pick someone like Cunnington, yep, knowing that you're going to upgrade him at his bye to somebody that's already had their buy and finish off your midfield. It could make more sense now to pick a Taron Thomas, it could make more sense to pick a Tom Green, mm. um, a Callahan, Callahan, um, yeah, exactly. All the GWS players. So, I, I think if you mix those players in combination with you know, <laughs> Bulldogs, English, McRae etcetera. cetera, um, you, you could have got your Toby McLean. You could potentially hold you in the buy uh, Liam Jones if you're so inclined. But I mean, that's too many players. But I think there's a, team's, there's, a, there's a team's worth of players that are playing in round 14 and 15 that you could start your team. Not that you are actively going to try and stack it so that you literally crash and burn. You still want to get there, you know, 18 plus players i just think it's possible, and that that's probably the strategy I'm kind of looking at yeah. at this at this time
2: it also gives them more chance to appreciate it if you are using them as a stepping stone as well, like the worst thing you can do is well not the worst thing, but like it'd it'd be annoying getting a stepping stone that has still got fifty k left to make, and you've got to get rid of them because you know round twelve is when you're trying to you know build that war chest to upgrade going into round thirteen, et cetera, whereas you've got the likes of just for argument's sake, Callahan, who is round fifteen that's such a large portion of the season that whatever he's his performing at, he's pretty much going to be at least 90% of the way there to his maximum price based on his average. Uh, all those, you know, um, one or two games that are bad or good are kind of going to smooth out and we're going to get closer to, to an actual representative cash that we're going to be making from him. So, um, yeah, I actually I like your point that it's not necessarily the absolute premiums that we need to take, but it gives us a chance to pick these guys that we're hoping to be a stepping stone and it's there's no necessity for them to have four absolute monster games in the first 10 weeks to make that pick viable.
3: Yeah. No, it makes sense. I'm, I've now got 17 Bulldogs players and five <laughs> four players on my
2: side. <laughs> Josh Bruce, Toby McLean. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. Um, <laughs> mate, that's been an absolutely fantastic hour talking about Supercoach, mate. Is there anything else that has jumped out in terms of the team picker that you do want to discuss before we get out of here?
3: Uh, Not really. I mean, look, the structure, I'm disappointed. I'm not going to lie. I'm disappointed to see the emergencies back with no changes. Um, I don't know if that will translate to the real game. I assume so, since it's an option in the team picker, having to put four emergencies um, every week. I just think it's the worst thing um, and totally unnecessary. But... If they haven't made that change, cool, I guess. Um, Two rucks, no utility spot, that's fine. Um, But yeah, I would have liked to have seen at least one of those two things kind of implemented. So maybe no changes
2: uh, in the game going into next year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it could just be a case of, you know, they've just opened up to the prices and they haven't actually gone through and done any um, reconstruction of the the game itself. Um, But yeah, there's still some hope that some things will change. I, I think for me, i going into last year, I probably had twenty twenty one hangover and sort of kind of rested on my laurels a little bit and i i'm I didn't like so much the the strategies and the template that ended up having to go with I think this year I'm a lot much more i'm I've got much more excitement for it because there seems to be a variability of structure. And if I want to go heavy here, I can tweak it. If I decide that I want to go heavy somewhere else, I can tweak it. We're not sort of penciled into doing one sort of thing based on uh, sort of the logic that we've we've built up over a number of years playing Supercoach. I, I'm really loving the flexibility mm. that no, we're not going to end up with a line that we have to compromise because we're not going to have options. Um, I, yep. I think is what I'm seeing so far. Um, and that's something that I'm, I'm, I'm especially excited for. And I'm just happy you're happy, Jesus. Oh, good. Thanks, mate. I love that. I love that. Uh, as, as always, I don't care about how you're feeling. Uh, and I don't care what you scored this week. Oh, that's that's fine,
3: Cheeser. But thank you for that interesting wrap-up to end the podcast. Uh, if you've enjoyed the podcast, don't forget, you can still. there's still time to jump into our Slack before the season starts. So you It's can popping off. In there. It It is. There, there was, what, 375 unread messages the other day if you'd yep. logged out for like a three-hour period. So it's it's happening it's all happening and probably will do until january at yeah. least and and then the game's starting and it gets even more wild um otherwise uh, if you're trying to find us you can you can follow us on facebook twitter um i forgot all of our twitter names, <laughs> pistol underscore d-r-s-e cheezo is cheezo with a z underscore d-i-s-e and jb underscore d-r-s-e and uh Doctor underscore SC is yeah, the... Yeah, you didn't forget. you just out of
2: practice, right? that's all. Muscle memory, that's that's all that happened. <laughs> and uh, if you do enjoy the podcast, make sure to give us some feedback and leave us a review on iTunes. Positive Review helps us get our voice out to more listeners, so we always appreciate the feedback when we can. Pistol, thank you so much for sitting down with us. I'm going to go dig into some more team picker and, uh, and flicking some players left, right and centre. Thanks for listening, community, and we'll talk to you in the next episode.